0: Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, Wolverine in the X-Men years, special birthday edition. My name is Willie Simpson. Happy birthday, Willie Simpson. My name is Sonya Rappaport. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, today, well, at least as of the day of this record, it is my birthday. I want to thank uh, everyone out there who's already wished me a nice birthday. Um, that means a lot to me, especially right now with my ankle on the mend being broken and healing and recovering uh, it is making progress. Um. It is. Our big birthday plans are to go for a walk. Yes, right. <laughs> In the park. Well, we, we might go to the mattress store and look for a new mattress. Uh-huh. <laughs> the thrilling adult things you do when you turn 38, which I now unfortunately have reached. Uh huh. Um, well, fortunately, good for you. Yeah, that's true. Right? <laughs> glass half full, glass half empty, however you want to look at it. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll be doing that, um, but let us dispense with the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Join the X-Men Task Podcast, Facebook, and Reddit groups. Again, I'm happy to report that the Reddit group is heating up with quite a few uh, delightful commentary from people who are not on Facebook, uh, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, if you like the show and you want to support us, the best and only way to do so is to leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes, Again, we really do appreciate everyone who takes a little bit of time another day to do just that. Sonia, I don't know if I mentioned the episode title. It's called Aces and Eights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Gambit episode. Uh, there's some interesting things to discuss there. Is that an expression?
1: Uh, Aces and Eights?
0: I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I'm not the, <laughs> the greatest card shark in the world, so oh, okay. I don't know if it's a direct expression. Oh. Um, yeah, well, we'll talk about that. But we do have to talk about just a few things this week we've been tracking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all caught up on Peacemaker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what do you think of the latest? We're up to episode seven, which we watched last night. Right. What is there, one more? I think there's one more. Uh. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's <laughs> I, it's funny. It's like it's a show that I have not much desire to watch. But, but then, the, like, once you're watching it. Yeah, then I'm like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why it's in that category for me, but I am really enjoying it now. I
1: think it's that I know every time there's going to be, like, something disgusting happening with it yeah you know it's not just like violence and gore it's like revolting sometimes yes
0: yeah <laughs> but like
1: th- it's made so well that you're right when i'm watching
0: it i'm like wow this is pretty entertaining it's entertaining it's cool the acting is really great uh you know i've gotten on james gunn for his humor saying i don't love it that much yeah i thought this last episode was quite funny i thought there was some really great dry almost coen brothers-esque line readings from some of the characters. Hmm. Uh, I was impressed by that. I I guess specifically what I'm referring to is um, the character of Walter from The Big Lebowski. I just thought there was just moments in this episode that reminded me of him. Mm. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. So what else is there to say? In a similar vein, sort of, uh, we've also watched Uh, Peacemaker. No, not Peacemaker. We just mentioned that. Reacher. (laughs) Even the names are like weirdly similar in my head. Hmm. Reacher, the Amazon Prime show, I guess based on the series of novels. I believe there's already a Tom Cruise movie that was made about this character, Jack Reacher. Hmm. Movie I never saw. You didn't see Jack Reacher. I didn't, know. Apparently fans are a lot happier with this incarnation of the series because the guy portraying Reacher is not... Like five foot seven, like Tom Cruise's. Uh huh. He's like a whole. They make constant
1: reference to like how huge he is. I mean, he is enormous. No, I know. So they like it makes sense that they found an actor that's also huge. Right.
0: The actor, his name is escaping me, but he's the guy who played Hawk on Titans. Right. So I was more into than you, but still like quite enjoyable. Yeah. And he's great here. This guy's like an American Schwarzenegger type. You Mm -hmm. know, he's just huge, six foot five guy with enormous biceps and uh, and pectoral muscles and.
1: But he's also like in the show. He's really smart
0: and yeah. observant. And he likes blues music. He just exactly. seems like the coolest guy in the universe. You know, he's like an ex-army secret operative ranger who just walks to the beat of his own drum.
1: He he's done carry. Like, he
0: crushes cell phones in his bare hands. He yeah. hates modern life.
1: <laughs> he's done some bad stuff, but always for good
0: reasons. Right. He just right. He just he kills indiscriminately, but he just it's he's but always, it's always like in
1: the name of vengeance.
0: Right. I mean, the, the basic premise of the show is he shows up to a southern town that's very corrupt. And he just writes all the wrongs. He brings justice to all the, the evildoers. There's something like, there's a simplistic uh, satisfaction to the show. Hmm. Uh, I breezed through it in two days. You didn't watch as much as I did, but no. it was like a very easy watch. It was also something it wasn't like, I didn't like have to pay attention to it constantly, which is good as I'm doing my like ankle exercises and icing my foot down. Yeah, I felt like I didn't miss anything when I stepped away for a second. Um but yeah, I, I recommend Reacher for sure. I think that was like a good time. Like, mm-hmm. He's like a little superhero in his own right. Right. Um Yeah, so that was good. Uh we also watched um well no I mean watch. We noticed there's some X-Men 97 news, uh, which we will be tracking with more intensity as we go forward here. Uh the biggest news is that there's gonna be 10 episodes, which um, you know, that's like shorter than your standard X-Men animated series uh outing. But then again, it's also like this is a new era of television production. Right. Where eight to ten episodes is the standard amount. Yeah. I always think less is more, generally. Yeah, that's fine for me. Um it's not I, I mean, I've a feeling that like a lot of the Marvel stuff on Disney Plus or Star Wars stuff, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be like a continuous story. They're not there's not gonna be any one offs.
1: Uh huh. I think it's
0: going to be like one arcing story they're telling. Yeah, I've seen. I've posted videos in the Facebook group uh, where there's some theories about like what the season could possibly be about. Uh And there's one that I really liked, where basically the guys like and he was drawing upon the X Men animated series comic book line, which continued after the show ended. Mm -hmm. Which sadly I've never read. Uh, I remember seeing them at the store as a little kid, right next to the regular X Men comics. And even though I love the X-Men animated series, it's was like, those comics were whack. I'm not, mm. <laughs> I'm picking up the regular, you know, the, at the time, like the Jim Lee comics. I'm not like bothering with these like wimpier X-Men animated series comics. Mm. Um, you know, spending my $2, whatever it costs at the time to get those. But apparently that series concludes with the destruction of the X-Men animated universe at the hands of Phoenix and the villain, the main dragon villain from- Shang-Chi. Oh. Weirdly enough, like he's a character. Huh. And so there's some like, you know, weird plot machinations where the Phoenix and like this dragon thing destroy the whole universe so to give birth to the mainstream Marvel 616 comic book universe. Which is weird because obviously that universe is already in existence. Sure. But like it ends, that comic ends with the last page of showing the birth of the Marvel 616 comic universe with the original x-men from the 60s comics interesting so the point is they're just saying that like this is all a prequel to that yes and so there's some meta-ness in the sense of like you could say that like the marvel animated series Mm x-men is a weird prequel to the mcu which in many ways it is the spiritual beginning of the mcu right because one uh the popularity of the show was such that it launched the Launched Fox to make the X Men movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the X Men movies were such a hit that, like, you know, more Marvel movies were made. And Kevin Feige was a, one of the producers on the first X Men movie, although in a very limited capacity. Um, I saw a, just speaking of something that's annoying, I saw a little factoid about Kevin Feige mm-hmm. in the first X movie. He had very little power on the first one. Um, Brian Singer banned all comic books on the set for his actors. Why? He's just because he wants I guess the intention was he wanted to make a quote unquote serious movie where he wanted the, the actors not to think they're in like Batman and Robin or Batman Forever. You're know, like a like a stupid comic book type movie. Hmm. He wanted him to like play it as real as possible. I think that was his quote unquote good intention. Problem is Kevin Feige knew better than that. He's like actually sneaking
1: comic books on
0: set. Yeah, he did. He snuck comic books to especially Hugh Jackman cuz you know he Jackman didn't know much about Wolverine he's like uh-huh. this is the character and like you know Brian Singer sort of being ignorant to the idea that like actually the X-Men is like kind of a cool comic book it's not like dopey it's not like a dopey comic as you might imagine if you've never really read comics before i mean again the irony is too that to prep for the movie Brian Singer watched only the X-Men animated series mm. so the point is going back is that there is a lot of X-Men animated series in the DNA of the modern, modern Marvel cinematic universe So it would be appropriate if the plotline of X-Men 97 is such that it somehow leads to the creation of the MCU through some universe-altering time portal event Mm -hmm. of some kind. Because it's, you know, it's ending that universe in a way that, like, satisfies fans by saying, this really happened. Yeah. And also giving it, like, a linchpin that connects it strongly to the MCU, even if it's only just, like, a totem of saying, like, somehow this is, like, a facile connection. Hmm. But I I don't know. I think that's that's neat enough for me. Like, I would if that's how it all is, I'm, like, fine. Uh, With that, I'd be like, oh, cool. You know, it doesn't take much to impress me in that respect. Um, I I mean, another little factoid that's been bandied about in the Facebook group, and we've seen on internet articles is too, that according to Eric and Julia Leewald, Disney told them that when Disney Plus launched, the most popular programming on the streaming platform, more than The Mandalorian Season 1, and again, take this with a grain of salt, I don't know how true this is, was the X-Men animated series. yeah. So, I, I guess, uh, if anything, it was just a, a sign to Marvel and Disney that, hey, market for this. Yes, this is something worth, like, reinvesting in. Um, so, it's exciting. I don't know. Like, lots of cool X-Men 97 stuff on the horizon. The more we learn about it, the more excited I am. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, very curious to see what it looks like, you know, how they animate it and how the voice actors sound after all these years. Um, you know, we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, lastly... We did uh, finish Boba Fett. Right. Right. Um, I mean, not that great of a memorable episode in the end. People have made this comment online, which I agree with. It's like bashing a bunch of action figures together. You know, Uh like you dump all of them out in your backyard and that's kind of what you got in this last episode. Like Boba Fett riding a Rancor and the Mandalorian flying around with him in jetpacks and Baby Yoda showing up inexplicably to help. Yeah, I mean... Again, my biggest gripe with Boba Fett is Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. In my mind, the story ended It's Season Two Mandalorian. It's a muppet that doesn't speak, mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't like do much besides looking cute and make like billions of dollars for Disney. So, I mean, I guess that's the more important thing I, it does. I
1: just didn't like the choice that they made him make at the end, where he ha- where spoilers, but that he chooses the Mandalorian over being a Jedi. Yeah. Like, just the possibilities for future storylines I think is so much cooler if he's a Jedi and Luke trains him and
0: Yeah. I mean that's arguable. I don't I don't care which one he cho- chose personally. I just yeah. think I don't want to see baby Yoda anymore. Yeah. Just because it's a non character.
1: But that's like kind of part of my argument is that If he chooses being a Jedi, then he stays at the Jedi Temple with Luke and like grows up there. And yeah, and like the story for him is finished. You're
0: like, okay, I know what he's doing. I mean, the thing that people are worried about is that you know Ben Solo killed everyone at the Jedi Temple in the prequel, the the sequel movies. Mm. So there's like, what happened to Baby Yoda? Was he killed by uh, Kylo Ren? Oh. So people were worried about that. So that I think they like they, they need. You can always to, write
1: that out. I mean, they wrote yeah. Boba Fett out of the pit, the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. like they could write Baby Yoda out of that.
0: Scene right, that and then right. it's also it's kind of like how much is Disney even going to acknowledge what happened in the sequels as being stuff they're going to want to use for years going forward, considering mm-hmm. the like the disastrous way in which they ended. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to Boba Fett, I mean, like. I don't know. It just felt like a pointless kind of show. A show that I did enjoy at times, but ultimately, like, I don't even know what I want from, like, a Star Wars story at this point.
1: I think ultimately I did enjoy it because it's like we said, you know, you're spending time in the Star Wars universe and they're good with, like, the costumes and the sets. Yeah.
0: and The special like effects the, look great.
1: Yeah. the The, like, practical effects also look good. Like, it is a return to the original Star Wars. Right.
0: There's a baseline, right. A baseline enjoyment of the aesthetic.
1: So like in the end as a whole series, I don't feel the need to go back and watch it again. Right. That's kind of a bummer. But it it was kind of nostalgic. It was kind of nice to
0: watch. It was a little like. I kind of want something more though. (laughs) You know, it's like Star Wars is obviously, I still think is cool, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's there's a gimmickiness to it, you know. Like, sure, yeah. I, I, give me a. I mean, I would. I'd rather see. First of all, I don't care about the current era of Star Wars with taking place with all the characters we know, mm-hmm. and I think they're gonna do this at some point. But like, go back a thousand years and do it the Old Republic, mm-hmm. and just give me brand new characters, and give me like a real show where it's like a Jedi school or a Sith academy or something. And you just get wrapped up in the stories. Yeah. You do your soap opera, your Star Wars soap operas. And like, let me get like all entwined in that. And instead of like this need to make constant reference to what we know and what we've seen and filling in like little details. Yeah. It's the problem I had with Star Trek Discovery was it was a, a prequel 10 years to the regular Star Trek with Captain Kirk. Right. Because it's like the main point of that show is to like, it's like, this is how like Spock met, uh, whoever, you know, like, yeah. cause he's like an early character in that right. show yeah and they're like, oh, you're this- like,
1: who cares? yeah They met, so what?
0: <laughs> this is where the enterprise is built, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, who gives a shit? like It's
1: supposed to be these like awe-inspiring moments. Maybe we're just not super fans enough of any of these properties to like care at the level that they are making it for, you
0: know? I, I think even, but I, 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 th- I was a super fan of Star Wars at some point in my life for sure, mm. um, And it waned on me. I mean, like, honestly, like, it's amazing. I was 13 when the first prequel came out. Mm -hmm. What an age to be to get a brand new Star Wars movie and being a a ginormous Star Wars nerd at that time, so young. Mm -hmm. Um, And that movie just being so bad, for me anyway. Like, that was made right for my generation. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't enjoy it and the subsequent sequels. Mm -hmm. And it drained so much of the Star Wars... Like love out of me,
1: yeah. But I'm I just saying, wish like, that movie
0: was great. You know what I mean? Like it really could have been special.
1: Yeah, but there there was a generation that was maybe just like I mean our generation right. still, but maybe like a few years younger. Yeah, that did really love those. Yeah, movies. They I totally had the same did. experience as you. I was a big fan of the originals, and then yeah. when that one came out, I was like, ugh, what's this? Yes, but I think like for <laughs> people that were a few years younger than us, yeah. they didn't experience it that way. Yeah, I experienced and then, like, it. Some like of those people went on to follow all like the fan fiction and like all the other stuff that came. Yeah subsequently and maybe they're the ones that are like huge enough fans of this that they want all of the the little details filled in and yeah they're like really into this current uh disney plus version of, of events
0: yeah you i know? mean you're right i mean it's it's kind of I, I think we were at the very tail end of the generation that just holds the original trilogy is the paramount mm-hmm. uh i mean like i obviously wasn't Really alive for the original trilogy. Even Return of the Jedi came out in eighty three, and I was born in eighty four. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's like I.
1: But growing up, those were the yeah, only Star Wars all, properties there were. So that's what we watched,
0: right? And the special yeah. editions came out in the movie theaters. That was a lot of fun, even though there's like stupid changes in there. Just mm-hmm. going to the movies to see them was yeah. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I was a fan. I was like. The perfect age for the the golden age of LucasArts video games, mm-hmm. be they the Star Wars games like Rebel Assault or uh, Jedi Knight or Dark Forces, Star Wars Rebellion. I mean, I can need them all. I had them. I love them so much. Or even like the non-Star Wars games like Curse of Monkey Island, Grim Fandango, things like that. I had. I love LucasArts. I've, I was just so bought in. Um, I even read, you know, even before those prequel movies, I mean, yeah, before those movies came in, I read the Star Wars novels, Timothy Zahn. I had them as like a 10, 11, 12-year-old. I'd read those books. Um, I was like so, like, I had Star Wars encyclopedias. Mm. Um, So, I, I don't know. My point is, like, let's just, like, do a whole new thing of Star Wars not connected to anything, and let's just enjoy it. Because the Star Wars, there's a lot of elements in Star Wars that are fun, but uh, it's like, I'm tired of it, like, not matching, meeting my expectations when it doesn't match up to imagination, you know?
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, um, but Boba Fett was a fine enough diversion. I mean, like, again, we're not, like, two hard graders. Like, if we're entertained, we're entertained. Yeah. It's just like, when you ask us to think critically about something, we'll give you our critical opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, now that I've seen the whole, the whole season yeah. of it... I do kind of like that they had the Mandalorian diversion.
0: Yeah. you know He's a more interesting character. (laughs) He's a more
1: interesting character. I mean, probably... There was like a who gives a shit element
0: to like just put him in there.
1: Right, totally. Like totally that episode where he's the focus of it, where he has to like ride the transporter and like all that stuff. That was probably like the most interesting episode of this season. And it looked the
0: best too. And it
1: looked the best. And part of what was interesting about it was that it was like the counterpoint to what Boba Fett's doing back on Tatooine. You know, it's like uh, you got like a taste of like a couple different things over the course of the season yeah um so i don't know is it like a grand masterpiece probably not but like they did a bunch of stuff it was cool <laughs>
0: it's fine so the next shows are obi-wan uh-huh which i think is ridiculous that it's not called ben kadobi because that's his name on tatooine yeah and then uh well though, i'm still looking forward to it uh then, um it, despite everything I just said about, like, wanting to not revisit these characters. Like, yeah. I don't know, like Ewan McGregor. What you he was the only part that worked about the prequels, hmm. in my opinion. Uh, and then the Cassian and Andor, Diego Luna show. Right. Which is, like, I might be good, but, like, I have no, I don't care about the Rogue One characters. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, it might be good. It's, like, could be gritty and adult because he was, like, a, he was kind of, like, a merc- merciless, sort of uh, ruthless spy. Mm-hmm. Um, are you excited about the Diego Luna show?
1: Uh, I don't know enough about it yet. Yeah. let's see some trailers and stuff. I mean,
0: do you even remember his character from Rogue One? The yeah. one time, yeah, you do. Yeah, okay. We didn't see it that much. I think
1: Rogue One. No, yeah, we it saw it in the twice.
0: theaters. Yeah, and then I think I saw it once at home. Yeah, didn't another one that I didn't think like I. I was impressed when I saw it, but then yeah. it didn't hold up so much in repeat. Um, they cast uh. A bit of casting news in Star Wars: Ray Stevenson as Grand Admiral Thrawn, I believe, in the Ahsoka Tana show okay. with Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. Ray Stevenson, he's the guy, he's the Punisher in Punisher Warzone. Uh, I, you might know more Sonia from Rome. He's uh, Titus Polo. Oh. He's that fun character that's um, Lucius's friend. He's in a million things, Ray okay. Stevenson. You'd recognize his face uh, if you saw him. Okay. Um, British actor. I always wanted John Ham to play Grand Admiral Tha- Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I want John Hamm to play a lot of characters. I know you love him. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent—you know—a younger version of John Ham would have been perfect for either one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I mean, so you know. Oh, last thing I'll mention: Batman is coming out March something first. Mm-hmm. That first week of March, mm-hmm. are you? It's going to be tough for us to get to the theaters like we normally do. To cause your leg, yeah. I mean, I might be walking by them, but even... Is it
1: going to be out, like, on streaming anywhere, do you know?
0: No, I don't think so. I think it's theaters exclusive. HBO this is the one they're saying, like, no, you have to go pay to see this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, are you, like, in a rush to see Batman?
1: Uh, I don't know. No, not this one. The
0: trailers really. didn't really crush you.
1: The, like, the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, yes, Batman. Right.
0: Matt I mean, Reeves like, is a great director.
1: The more I saw it, the more I was like, eh, Robert Pattinson, and I don't know.
0: You're not the biggest uh, R. Pat's fangirl.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't like, like I, I I don't need to rush out to the theater to see it right away, like let's see yeah. like let's, how long you can right. sit down without keeping your leg elevated yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> you I, know if this one passes us by and we watch it like later when it is out on streaming someplace, that's probably fine for me,
0: yeah, I did I mean it's gonna be interesting because we're gonna transition to Batman soon anyway, mm-hmm. so it's something that feels like required viewing for us, but yeah. I did uh. Uh, I did. So, like, I feel like
1: my primary allegiance yeah, is to Batman. Right.
0: Yeah, you are. You're from a Batman family. Foremost. You are. Uh, that's why I'm surprised <laughs> that you're not like dying to see. I mean, Batman's such a bigger deal than rushing out to see Eternals or Sean Yeah, Shang-Gi. I know. Um, I, I would say that the the trailer did blow me away when I first saw it. I think I talked about it in the podcast. Yeah. And the music blows me away. I think the music sounds great. Uh, but since what I've seen. Since I'm, like, a little less sold, I don't know why. Maybe, you know, the Riddler's one of my favorite Batman villains. Mm-hmm. And for him, them to make him such a serial killer psychopath, I'm not, like, to me that just speaks to a tone that's like, oh, we're getting another one of these, like, movies where it's just so unrelentingly depressing. And-
1: I agree. I think that's kind of what turned me off to it, too. I was like, oh, it's going to be, like, dark, depressing, violent. Like, right. the Riddler's supposed to be
0: It's sort of like...
1: Yeah, exactly. He's like a little bit of a stupid character. He's not like – like, you
0: don't have to go as far as the Jim Carrey version, but right. there's some happier medium. I mean, the Batman animated series did it perfectly. Yeah. They, they showed you what the Riddler should be.
1: Right. It's like he's, he's a little off-kilter. He's vain. Yeah, right.
0: He's I mean, the, the characterization was great, too, in the Batman arc and games, too, because it essentially was the, the animated series version as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like – this is – the new this is the new Batman we're getting where like the Riddler is just some like insane psychopath on the level of the Joker. Yeah, he's not the Joker. Like that's right. kind of like he seems like the Joker in this movie. So, right. uh, yeah, I found that a little bit disappointing. Like the more we saw, the Penguin seemed okay. I mean, uh, who's playing him? Uh, the Irish actor. He's driving me crazy. I can't remember his name right now. Very famous Irish actor. Um, sorry, I don't know. Yeah, uh, he I just like he looked I, all right.
1: I think the the Batman anything any Batman related properties. For us, suffer from the same yes, as issue X-Men. as X Men. Like the
0: animated series was too we good. We just hold
1: up the animated series yeah. of both of them from the nineties as like the gold standard to what the characterizations and the look and the sound and everything should
0: be. It seems to be a theme of this early podcast episode. It's just like we like the original Star Wars trilogy. Nothing's as good. <laughs> yeah. We like the original X Men cartoon. <laughs> we like the original Batman cartoon. You know, it's just you like what you like when you're a kid, and you know, there's, it's hard to get over that. Uh, Yeah. It's it is it's a tricky thing. So it's like it's almost like might as well just do Peacemaker, which is a character nobody cares about. Mm -hmm. And then everyone could just enjoy him for the first time Mm. instead of comparing him to all the peacemakers that came before, which don't exist. Right. That's what I'm saying with Star Wars too. Just do give us something that doesn't has no precedent and we could all just enjoy it. Yeah. Collectively. Um,
1: I don't know. I, we all, we try to keep an open mind. We end up enjoying things yes. for what they are. We enjoy them at first, and then we
0: get soured on them. <laughs>
1: yeah, ultimately, we're always comparing in our minds.
0: <laughs> That's true. All right, well, still, there's exciting stuff happening this year. You uh-huh. know? Like, a lot to look forward to. I mean, I think the Batman movie will probably be very entertaining. Like, despite it, maybe it doesn't match the tone we desire for mm-hmm. Batman. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to wrap up this conversation with one question. Mm-hmm. The Batman... This new Batman is different. It's like a different universe than whatever Aquaman, Jason Momoa's Aquaman exists in, mm-hmm. Ezra Miller's The Flash. The point is, like, DC is breaking up their continuity again. It's just like, fuck it, here's a new Batman. It's yeah. not connected to anything. Superman is not flying around in this universe, presumably. Right. Do you, in your heart of hearts, do you wish DC could have pulled off a connected universe like Marvel has? with the MCU where nothing is out of place.
1: You know, that's been like a big criticism of DC. Like, why can't they just pull all their shit together? I don't care. Yeah. I like it that they can just go off in different directions and some of it works better than others. And they don't have to worry about tying up all the loose ends because with Marvel in a way, like I get it. And it's cool that they have like one continuous story and everything's like in the same world and all that stuff. But you end up with a lot of like really forced story points to make the narrative come together in, like, a nice, neat
0: little package. The plot machinations.
1: And, you like, when you kind of peek behind the curtain and look at, like, oh, they did that because it has to fit with XYZ, whatever's coming next or came before, you're kind of like, all right, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, I get it, (laughs) you know, and DC doesn't have to do that because they're just like, here's a
0: movie. (laughs) Yeah, right. And sometimes it's really cool, you know. uh, What do you think? I I mean... I, I, I'm i with you. I, I like that DC does their own thing a lot. They take experiments. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes some people like them. Sometimes other people don't like them. Um, I, I think I would like to see them try again, though, once more to do a connected universe. Hmm. It doesn't have to be the permanent thing they do forever, but maybe like a nice span of like 10, 12 movies. Like Marvel's up to like almost 30 movies. Yeah. You know, like maybe half of that. You got like a few... Superman movies, a few Batman movies, a few Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Flash, maybe some few other ancillary Green Lantern, some other ancillary characters. Just tell it all, with all the same actors, you know, you tell one epic sweeping story. Uh, I think, like, I would just like to see it. I don't, you know, like, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying, like, this is the thing that works or should be. But I, I kind of do have a part of me that wants to see, like, a connected DC universe with all the heroes existing at the same time. Because mm-hmm. I, I like those heroes, I I still like the aesthetic of DC characters a lot. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna see it all, because it it always no matter how much like let's say we really love this new Batman movie, and obviously he'll have nothing to do with whoever Superman is supposed to be, right? In mm-hmm. the back of my mind, watching the movie, I'm always gonna be wondering, what's Superman in this universe doing? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just kind of want to know. Like I just wonder, like how would Superman fit into this world? And. uh you know, the answer to that question is, like, Superman wouldn't fit into this world, so don't think about him. He's mm-hmm. not part of it. But I, as a comic book fan, I can't let it go. I'm kind of like, I, but I do want to know, you know, I do know Superman's out there somewhere.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's also not like all the DC stuff has been one-offs, you know? Like, yeah. there is, there's, like, a Snyderverse. Yeah, and, yeah. He tried. You know, the the <laughs> Yeah, like, the most recent iteration um, with Wonder Woman, like, you know, Ben Affleck was in there with her. Like, mm-hmm. there was some connectedness over a span of a few movies.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, let me throw this pitch at you. Um, Cause I, I might've mentioned it before, but it's, it is my dream. Okay. I want, if you're going to do a connected story of DC connected universe, I want period pieces. Mm-hmm. I want Superman, 1938, Batman, 1939, Wonder Woman, 1941. I want it. Like, I just want like weird, weird, weird ass period pieces of which the, the characters emerged from in the pop culture of, History. Wonder
1: Woman 1984 didn't
0: do it for you. No, she did not do it for me. Okay, um, but you know what I'm saying. Like that might be a cool tack for DC, and it's exper- It'd be experimental. Wouldn't it be like something you carry on forever. Obviously, mm-hmm. you just do like maybe like three or four movies where they're just set in the time errors of where they the characters were born. I think that would be a lot of fun. I, frankly, I want to do that with Marvel as well. I'd love to see Fantastic Four 60s, Spider Man 1960s.
1: The only thing, the only complaint I have about that yeah. is that you you're begging for more origin stories and not much else. That's
0: kind of true. Yeah. There's a good point about that. But I think the origin story couched in the 1930s is just like a thousand times more interesting than it is like trying to like, like it's always weird. Like with that latest origin story of Batman from the Snyderverse, they showed it in flashbacks. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Bruce Wayne was born in 1980 more. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. so he's like at home at some point watching the same TV shows we were watching or he had a Nintendo and that just does not jive with the Bruce Wayne we all like know in our imaginations where he wouldn't have any of those things, Mm -hmm. none of those references. And it's almost like you kind of, for Bruce Wayne to make sense as a character, you kind of need him not to be of like a modern era. Yeah. He needs to exist it, I mean, and this Robert Pattinson is going to be even more extreme example of that, right? It's like he needs to exist in like the 1950s or something where he just has his bat cave and his potions. Right. Um, all right. So we've, we've gone wildly off tangent here. Okay. Maybe a birthday indulgence. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. Do you want to see uh, – how would you redo the DC universe? I'm curious about, you know, as we get closer to, to us talking about Batman. But Sonya, let us move on to Wolverine and the X-Men. A wildly different universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 22nd episode overall, Aces and Eights. Again, a Gambit episode. What do you generally think of this one?
1: What I liked this one in general. Really? I didn't see what was coming. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's some twists in there. I like it when there's this, there's some twists and turns. Um, I
0: thought there's some silly character beats.
1: Yeah, there were a couple of things that, like, you know, like always, we're going to nitpick,
0: I'm sure. but I mean, Polaris particularly is, like, yeah. very strange characterization. Yes. Okay, but how does this one begin?
1: So... It begins with Genosha is closing its borders. Basically, we know that a war is coming between Genosha between mutants and humans, right? So uh, Senator Kelly is like very worried about this. He says, you know, like the the mutants could like be at our shores and like have this whole thing done for like really soon. When are those Sentinels going to be ready? He's asking his like scientists. Is that Trask?
0: I think so. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and Trask is like, Oh, you know, two weeks before the Sentinels can roll out, I'm not ready yet. And Senator Kelly's like, Oh gosh, well, that's not good enough. We need someone on the inside. So meanwhile, Professor X is having a meeting with Logan in the <laughs> Dreamscape there, and he says, You know, I've come across this information that Magneto's helmet is gonna get stolen by a mutant working for the government, and that's what is gonna precipitate this war. So, Logan, you have to go to Genosha and stop that from happening. And I don't know. There's, like, a lot of mythology around the helmet at this point. Logan's <laughs> like, who would even dare yeah. mess with Magneto's helmet? And I'm like...
0: Mm. Yeah, Count mean is not a fan of, like... Magneto's helmet being this important thing. Yeah. Like, mainly to block Professor X's telepathy. Exactly.
1: And Professor X isn't even around.
0: Right. What a dumb gimmick to me. I liked it in the original X-Men series where the helmet was of no consequence. It's just something he wore. Right. (laughs) A fashion accessory. (laughs) I don't know. So, uh,
1: meanwhile, Gambit arrives on Genosha. He's the one that Senator Kelly hired. And the first beat is that he l- looks up at Polaris who's like sitting in her balcony window and they kind of like make eyes at each other um and then Wanda comes out with these other two mutants we've seen these the screen
0: yeah we might before. have seen both of them before
1: probably and she's like what are you doing here you're trespassing like you got to leave and um Basically, like a a fight starts between Gambit and these other
0: two mutants while Wanda goes back inside. Pretty weak fight. Gambit readily takes care of them.
1: They both end up in this fountain Mm -hmm. and then Gambit sticks his hand in the water and is like, I wouldn't try anything. And he starts charging up the water. Yeah. How's that work?
0: I don't know. I've never (laughs) seen Gambit do that before. Wouldn't
1: the water just boil? Why would it turn pink like that?
0: Right. Like it's not a. Object per se. I didn't know he could charge up liquids,
1: and he can control it really well. Seemingly, like he maintains yeah, like a perimeter around them right. where they're sitting in like regular blue water, and the pink water is like closing in on them. It's yeah. weird.
0: As far as I understood, Gambit he can control the charging as long as he's touching it. Right. If he lets go of it, watch out! It's like a ticking grenade. Right. But it's a liquid. I know. I did. <laughs> this is a little. Strange I just. To me. I was like, what? <laughs> Again, not a fan of like, uh, pink and purple as the color choice for Gambit's power set. Mm. I, I love the, again, I've said it a hundred times, right? The X-Men series. Yeah. It's more like a Kirby crackled yellow. Right. Explosive color. It's great.
1: Yeah. Well, Wanda brings Magneto outside to talk to Gambit and Gambit just tells them right off the bat, Senator Kelly paid him to come steal Magneto's helmet. And and he wants and, sanctuary. Right. So Magneto's like, all right, you can stay confined to the guest quarters. Wanda, <laughs> show him his room.
0: Very magnanimous of Magneto. <laughs> The magnanimous Magneto would be the name of the comic line that I would write.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, meanwhile, Nightcrawler... Guest quarters for all. (laughs) Meanwhile, Nightcrawler and Wolverine take the blackbird over to Genosha. I liked this line from Wolverine. Very self-aware. Wolverine is like, I can't step foot on Genosha. Magneto feels me coming a mile away because I have a metal skeleton. Yeah. And we just can't tangle. And I was like, yeah, exactly.
0: It's the biggest inconsistency in the entire X-Men universe is the mismatch between Wolverine and Magneto. I mean, and that's why I was so affected as a little kid when I finally saw Magneto rip out Wolverine's skeleton, Mm -hmm. because it just was like the most logical, Yeah, like, wow, he finally did the thing that you thought he could probably do. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so gruesome and awful. I hated Wolverine's bone claws. I still hate them to this day, whenever that's a feature. Yeah. But still, it was just like, yeah, like, why would wolverine ever be a threat to magneto i guess the same with colossus too you know like the two of them that's the next thing hey that's my pitch to marvel my gruesome uh sell a bunch of comics event is magneto rips off the metal skin off colossus and something horrible happens to him right has that never happened i don't think i i I think i think like colossus's entire body becomes metal so it's not like it's a coating
1: yeah, but it's not. Yeah, but Magneto would still be able to control like his whole body. Uh, yeah, I
0: think Magneto would just kill him. I think it he would, would just like, snap his head off or something. Yeah, yeah. And when
1: Colossus it, just doesn't come along on those. X-Men he does. He,
0: I like. I mean, they always write it funny. Whenever Colossus fights Magneto, he has to like not be in his metal form, or it's always something. If he accidentally becomes metal, Magneto gets the upper hand on him and knocks him out. It's mm. something like. It's addressed in a way that's very clumsy.
1: Are, there have to be other matchups of mutants, right? Where it's like one, power, one mutant's power is exactly the other mutant's weakness or something. Yeah,
0: I mean, there are. I'm sure. Um, I mean, now that you mention it, it's like a lot of like powers that it come to my mind, like powers that cancel each other out. Like whenever you get the siblings, like Havok and Cyclops' powers can't harm each other. Mm. Same thing with with uh, Banshee and Black Tom, who are cousins or something. They're that weird... Chris Claremont, like, mutant sibling rule.
1: Right, yeah. I kind of like that rule. Yeah, I mean, like... it's kind of cool. But it's not exactly the same as, like, the metal versus metal powers. You know what I'm saying? I know what you
0: mean. Well, that's an example of someone's weakness is another one's strength. That's, like, the ultimate example, right? The metal? That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, yeah. So, Magneto has a few characters that he's, like, a kryptonite to. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, like, Magneto, at least from the comics I remember, is he's always afraid of Cyclops. Cyclops is a way of, like, catching him off guard and blasting through his metal shields a lot. Um, And Cyclops is the most experienced fighter against Magneto. Something that, like, I just, I don't know. I'm just thinking of particularly one comic where (laughs) Cyclops catches Magneto off guard. Some, like, old Chris Claremont comic. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. So, who, who are the characters that would... Who are other examples of characters out that's there? That's what I'm Facebook trying to think
1: group. of. I'm like, there have to be other ones. Well, does it count like, like uh Iceman and Firestar? Do they cancel each other?
0: It's well, like, like Iceman and Human Torch, right? Like they've fought or been partners several times in the comics too. Yeah. I they kinda just cancel each other out more than it's not like the it's not like Iceman's weakness is heat. If right. anything, he's kind of protected against heat in a way more than other characters would be. Yeah. And same thing with Torch being protected against Iceman. They're just not it's not like they would, one is...
1: The other is kryptonite or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. There have to be more. Well, if anyone can think of any, let us... Yeah, know yeah, This is group, we have to then outsource this. And we can this. facepalm and... Yeah.
0: <laughs> right, there's like definitely like, obvious... Oh, why did I think of that? I mean, all I'm thinking about is like pal- telepaths who are just more powerful than each other. Like, that's always a constant plot line. It's like, oh, Emma, you think you're so powerful, but I, Jean Grey, can crush you with my mental power. Mm. Like, that, I feel, is something we've seen... It's more like that than it is...
1: All that stuff is so ambiguous, though, between, like, who's the stronger telepath or whatever. Because, yeah. like, technically it should be Professor X, but then... Yeah, he's the Emma also has, like, the diamond power, so she has, like, extra power. But the
0: diamond power... Pa- when she's in diamond form, she can't use her te- uh, telepathy. Right, That's yeah. A trade-off. Right. She's just kind of strong. Right. Um... Yeah, you're right. Like it's it's the telepathy hierarchy is always kind of confusing and not spelled out clearly.
1: Right. It's always about how Jean is like the most powerful, but then she faints all the time. And then
0: there's Shadow King, and yeah, it's it's all like it's a gimmick again because it's just like what does the story need? Yeah. For but technically Professor X should be. I mean that's the, the problem with Professor X and all this media is that. He's so powerful, but he's too powerful that we have to knock him out of the fight. Right. Right. So, but then they are just making such a point of saying, like, how dangerous he is. So, it's just, it's confusing. Yeah. Okay. He's a confusing character.
1: Anyway, so, Wolverine, like, flew the Blackbird over to Genosha, but he tells Nightcrawler, like, you got to go in alone because, like, my metal bones are not good
0: for this mission. Yeah, good little writing (laughs) moment.
1: Yeah, I like that. So, Polaris is picking roses in the garden and Gambit's watching from the window. Yeah. And she's trying to reach a rose that's too high up and he throws a card to like slice it off.
0: Now the question I asked you when we were watching is do you think Gambit is using his mutant power of charming to get Polaris or is he just a hot guy and she's just sort of like a lonely teenager? <laughs>
1: he's like creeping on her real hard. Like yeah. he's just really being creepy. So I I don't know. I can't really it's hard to split hairs about when he's just being charming versus using, like, capital C charming power, right? you know? Which has
0: not been spelled out specifically in the show or any other show as far as I know.
1: Right, because also, like, in a script like this, it's it it does border on, like, creepy more than charming, definitely. Yeah. So, like, how how does she read that? Because you get more in the story later on about how she's basically, like, a prisoner in this Yeah,
0: how old do you think Polaris is supposed to be? I don't
1: know. Teenager. I
0: thought, like, for sure she's at least Wanda's age, uh... But, right, like, it seems like they really seem to make her young in this episode.
1: Right, and, like, inexperienced and naive, and, like, she's really craving for freedom, and she reveals, like, oh, I don't even know what the outside world is like. She's like your typical,
0: right, she seems like a Jane Austen character.
1: Yeah, exactly, which is, like, a little weird, but then also it's, like, okay, someone like Gambit, who comes from the outside world and is sort of, like, dangerous or whatever, like, might really appeal to her, and she might not realize that creepy behavior is creepy <laughs>
0: <laughs> well he's cajun he's got the sort of like french charm and Ma <laughs> yeah he's got like he's handsome although i don't think his hair looks that great in this cartoon bowl cut. Yeah, like well cut. I, it's not even necessarily we don't know if it's a we I was thinking about this. We don't know if it's a bowl cut or if it's just his headpiece is pushing up the hair in a way that's unattractive. Uh-huh. But he does look like Ben Affleck in uh The Last Duel uh-huh. who was he was widely criticized for that hairstyle he had <laughs> in the, which I think is period accurate. I yeah, I'm sure that's why they did it. Yeah, there's a time when bowl cuts were all the rage across Europe anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh may, at least maybe with the monk class, I don't know. But uh <laughs> Gambit is supposed to be super handsome, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It, it's a, it, it, you're right. It, it's a strange subplot going on here.
1: He's really trying hard to win her attention because he knows that he can use her.
0: Yes, he right? succeeds,
1: and he succeeds. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The just like the whole the whole scene of her like picking roses is stupid.
0: It is stupid. It's just too, again, it's like too much like a Jane Austen character.
1: But there you have it. Right. Um, Meanwhile, Wanda did a background check on Gambit, and she's talking to Magneto about his real identity and like, why, why would you let him stay here? Like, Genosha's borders are supposed to be closed. Why don't you just like make him leave? And uh, Magneto doesn't really have a good answer. He's just like, well, when he becomes trouble, then we'll deal with it. You know
0: what? You know what I can't get over this Lorna characterization? Why? Because the way she looks. Again, she looks as old as Wanda. hmm She's wearing a superhero outfit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like if they dressed her, if they made her look more like Kitty from X-Men Evolution, mm-hmm. where she looks like a teenager wearing like a t-shirt and some jeans or something. and mm-hmm. I, You know what I'm saying? Like, they did put a few weird posters in her bedroom. I noticed, like, she's got like a makeup counter. Mm-hmm. Like, they tried to make her look like she is, like, a kid, mm. but, like, other than that... She has, like, her
1: lingerie superhero accent. Yeah, she's
0: wearing <laughs> her lingerie, and as far as we knew up to this point, she seemed just like a full adult, like all the other characters on Genosha. Hmm. She did not seem... So, I mean, maybe she's in Arrested Development or something. She's just, like, a kept daughter. Like, he's weird. It's just weird.
1: It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to parse out what is weird about it is, and like, I just hard. know <laughs> Polaris
0: too. Like when Polaris is introduced in the X Men comics, she's like a young woman that's like dating Havoc or something, or yeah. Man. Like you know, she's not. She has her own agency. Yeah, she's not. Doesn't yeah. she doesn't like appear like Jean Grey. Jean Grey appears as a sixteen year old in the mm. mansion. I think Lorna appears as like a young woman or something. Mm. She might only be twenty, but still, it's more than sixteen. Yeah, difference. yeah. Okay, where were we? I'm sorry, getting off.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> hard, hard to parse through that yes. that mystery. Um, so Gambit, even though he's supposed to stay confined to his quarters, he's not actually locked in there. So he just kind of leaves and he's like wandering around. He sees Magneto's helmet unattended on a table somewhere, which I think is kind of unlikely. Like Magneto usually has it with him; he's usually wearing it. But yeah. Whatever. It's unattended on a table. He kind of like gives a little eyebrow raise, but you don't actually see him take it or anything. He's just like, hmm. And then he goes into Lorna's room and introduces himself to her, kisses her on the hand, and tries to like make some banter with her or something just says to meet him in the garden at twilight and she keeps kind of being like but i and it and he just shushes her repeatedly like
0: yeah it's too easy for him which makes me think that either lorna is really dumb and naive or he's his charm powers in full effect and she has no control over her reactions to him i don't know he just seems like he's being a creep to me i think you're right i think it's more creep mode
1: meanwhile nightcrawler goes to wanda and tells him like everything about this Gambit plan, and Wanda's like, "Yeah, we know that already. Like, do you guys have a spy on the inside here in Genosha? How do you know that?" And it's he's like,
0: complicated. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she just is like, "Listen, you got to get out of here because like Magneto's not going to like it if he knows that the X Men are around." But Wanda's really suspicious of Gambit. Wolverine is really suspicious of Gambit. Everybody's suspicious except Polaris.
0: And then Gambit again, sort of at the heart of another one of these stories where it's the days of future past scenario. So, in the comic books and the X Men uh, cartoon, original cartoon series where Gambit, you know, Mystique pretends to be Gambit to kill Senator Kelly. And Mm -hmm. there's kind of like roping in these classic storylines.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Polaris does meet Gambit at Twilight in the garden (laughs) as, (laughs) as he asked her to. He gets her to show him all around the island under the pretense of wanting to see, like, this beautiful place that she lives. But really, he is getting information about, like, the water supply, the electric supply, yeah, the communications, communications.
0: Scoping it out. He's right. going to blow up the whole island.
1: But he does it, like, masterfully enough that Lorna ends up kissing him. Yes. And then Wanda catches the,
0: <laughs> And sends Gambit the to action. jail.
1: Yeah, puts him in the, that horrific prison.
0: Potentially for the crime of pedophilia. We're not, <laughs> 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 We're not too sure. <laughs>
1: Ugh. Um, and Lorna is livid. Like she's really upset with Wanda and Wanda just tells her like, you can't trust Gambit. And she's like, and I know about the secret prisons we have. Yeah.
0: Wanda's surprised that her sister knows so much. Hmm. Well. Interesting to get the dynamic, at least in the show of a sisterhood between Wanda and Polaris, which is not something that I think was like retconned later in the comics. It's not really when you're talking about uh, like siblings, Of Wanda, you're talking about Quicksilver. Yeah. You're not really, like... The Lorna thing was, like, this whole, like, weird convoluted story of, like, is she even Magneto's daughter? Like, it was, like, a mystery at first, I think, before they finally, like, made it so. And then they might have retconned that a little bit. So, Hmm. here they're just straight up saying that, like, these were all Magneto's children. And there's no ambiguity to it at all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, on that point, it's, like, I don't know, I'm, like, fascinated as an X-Men fan to see Wanda interact with Lorna Dane, the character.
1: Yeah, but it's not like they really give them much of a relationship it's not like like you don't see any like heartwarming sister
0: moments between them. and this episode is not passing the bechdel test because ultimately like they're fighting over a guy i mean or you know it's like the drama between them is centered around a romance with a man Mm -hmm. you're right there's no like real like moments between them where they're
1: you don't see them like have or build a relationship really other than that wanda's the older sister yeah and yeah they're fighting about like Gambit, basically.
0: Wanda's like, I wear red, you wear green. (laughs) (laughs) Get it straight. Um, Lorna
1: lets Gambit out of jail. (laughs) Yep. On the condition that he brings her with him when he
0: leaves. Gambit looked like he could have escaped that prison knowing his power set. I mean.
1: No, they showed that he was like charging up his cards and throwing it at the bars and had no
0: effect. But why not? He could charge up the bricks behind him and blow them up I I don't know
1: maybe I thought there was an implication that the cell was made out of some like anti
0: it might be magic substance yeah you're probably right but still it just seemed like you'd want him logically if I was writing the scene I'd want to see him try other methods yeah whatever he was doing
1: well anyway she does break him out and he's he's like right, like uh, meet me by my boat get, get your stuff and meet me there So, I guess she goes to, like, pack a suitcase, and he goes setting bombs (laughs) around all of their, like, infrastructure bases on the island.
0: Right. It really didn't take much to bring down this island. Uh, I I would say, too, that's like, I can't help again but compare this to the original series. And I kind of like this episode. I thought this episode was entertaining. Yeah. But it's like, remember in the original series, Slave Island, Gambit's in prison, and... There's all these other mutant characters in a prison too. Mm-hmm. It's just like the stakes are so much higher and more interesting, and it, the gamut's escape is so much more exciting. And uh, just like a lot happens in that, you mm-hmm. know? Here it's just like an empty kind of prison, an easy escape. It's just like, it's, a, it's like such a. The difference between this show and the original series is there's just a there's this general sense of devoidness. Magneto's Island is devoid of characters. Mm -hmm. Like this is a huge mutant paradise. Like why aren't there tons of characters bustling about on the bridges and just like characters flying in the sky or like like sailing in the water? Yeah, Uh, because that's expensive to animate. I get. Is that really the reason? Like you just can't. Like the less figures. That's my guess.
1: Yeah, that's my legitimate
0: guess. Yeah, I know. We always we had that complaint too about Spider Man, where it's like the New York City streets are always empty.
1: Yeah, I think that's like a budget thing. It must be, but... It takes so much longer to, like, draw and animate it. Right, like crowds. Yeah.
0: Well, they're useful to have.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. It, like, really changes the tone of everything.
0: Yeah, but. I know. I mean, like like I said, the X-Men Slave Island episode is just jammed with characters. Mm-hmm. And you get the fun of having mutant cameos, you know? Like, that was, like, North Star and Feral and, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's all sorts of characters. Avalanche, The Blob, they're all there. Sunfire. They're all interacting. You know, they're all prisoners. Yeah. Here, Gambit. I mean, Gambit speaks to one character off screen. You don't even see the character, you know. Right. So, Yeah, that's
1: true. Well, Nightcrawler catches Gambit setting the bombs. He realizes that Gambit's trying to topple Genosha, not just steal Magneto's helmet. Um, So he figured it out, I guess. Wanda, meanwhile, uh, is looking for Lorna and realizes that she's gone from the palace. And then we do see Lorna meet up with Gambit um, by his boat on the shore. She has like a moment of hesitation and he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, this has been my whole, my whole life. Like, you know.
0: Give here. me a minute here. Strange and older man. He's
1: like, bye.
0: <laughs> it would have been funny if she says, but I'm, I'm 15 and I'm in love with you. And then he just really jets off.
1: <laughs> so he just kind of leaves her there on the shore and he does apologize and also shows her that he did steal Magneto's helmet after all. Right. Um, she uses her powers to get it back. She, like, lifts it up in the air and then smashes it through the hull of the
0: boat. I think a more fun scene would have been, like, I'm sure there's a lot of metal in that boat. Like, her just, like, lifting up the boat and, like, wrenching it or, like, bringing him back forcefully to the shore. Like, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) It's just boring the way she just takes the helmet smashes it through and kind of forget about what happens to the Gambit. I
1: actually thought it would have been fun also if she had just gotten in the boat with him and he took her yeah. to wherever he was going. Right. And then you get to see Lorna, like, learn about the or rest he, of the world and be a mutant her in later. society. Yeah, he yeah. ditches
0: her in uh, the streets of uh, New Orleans.
1: Right. And then she has to get her revenge or find a new path in life or, yes. like, something. Like, they could have gone a lot of ways with this, yeah. but... She gets the helmet.
0: <laughs> yeah, great.
1: <laughs> Even though there's a huge hole in like his boat, he's still able to get away. We
0: don't see really what happens to him.
1: He he just leaves.
0: I know, but do we see the boat sail off in the yeah. I it kinda looked like the boat was sinking, but I no, I think I
1: think we see him like just get away. Okay, all right. Um and
0: if that's bomb- the case then that's lame too, you know.
1: Yeah, Magneto appears on the shore. I don't know how we knew he, that they were there. She runs to him and hugs him and apologizes and, like, gives his helmet back. And then the bombs start going off.
0: Magneto's enraged.
1: Nightcrawler saves Wanda from one of the explosions. Um, and then Wanda and Lorna have to go back to the palace. And Nightcrawler goes back to the Blackbird. And Magneto goes after Senator Kelly, the source yeah.
0: of all the trouble. And I like this ending. I did, too. This is where I like this episode. I like the twist.
1: Right. So he's, like, in the office with Senator Kelly. Shows up
0: with Blink, I'm guessing. Is that Blink? I think that's Blink. Okay. Some teleporting mutant.
1: Kitty and Rogue come into Senator Kelly's office. In
0: their classic X-Men outfits. I just like the way they looked.
1: And capture Magneto and Senator Kelly. Yeah, really. (laughs) Bring them back to the X-Men basement.
0: Yeah. It was pretty cool. It was very... It's like the X-Men actually using their powers effectively, quickly, in a logical manner.
1: Yeah. Very efficient. Right. Wolverine brings them into Professor X's, like chamber capsule right there.
0: Exclusive club access.
1: And shows and gets Professor X himself to show them the apocalyptic future. And at first Senator
0: Kelly doesn't believe that it's real. He's like, what is this? Could have used a few more beats of unbelievability. Like I would have liked to see Professor X can have to convince him more. Maybe he has to travel into Senator Kelly's mind and like sort of like Mind attack him? No, Senator Kelly, you have wrought all this violence. Feel the destruction you've caused, and you seem like cry or something and mm. freak out a little. But yeah. no, none of that. Kind of just
1: yeah, they could have amped the drama picture. a little
0: bit. But I just I just like the idea. This is like a nice little shortcut of logic,
1: right? Magneto's like, no, no, this is all real. And then the you know the next day or whatever, you see Ken- Senator Kelly on television renouncing the war that he himself has been trying to start. Yep, and um. You see Magneto, Magneto doesn't have a TV, I guess, but he has a mutant that can broadcast. (laughs) I don't know who that is, but she's like standing to the side, like showing the broadcast, like beaming it with her hands so that he
0: can watch television. (laughs) It's a really much cooler way to watch TV, actually. (laughs)
1: Um, But basically, Senator Kelly um, renounces the war and announces that he's halting the Sentinel And the episode
0: ends there, right?
1: Well, the very last beat is Magneto looking serious, saying, bring me my son.
0: Right. Okay, so he's yeah. going to
1: do some other mischief with Quicksilver, it seems
0: like. Yeah. Um. So they've kind of de-escalated things. We we didn't get a clear answer for sure if this is the thing that stops the evil future from happening. Right. Uh, I mean, it's funny, though. The entire show is essentially the plot of Days of Future Past extended for like 26 episodes, mm-hmm. give or take. And that's an interesting choice because it is a great storyline. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was only two issues in actuality in the comic book world. they have taken some diversions in the series. That's though. true. They have. Uh, again, it's like we nitpicked a lot about this episode, but it was still there's still something fun about it. I like. It wasn't my favorite, but I I was enjoying not enjoying it. If that makes any sense. I, I
1: like. I hated everything about Lorna. Yeah. And like the interactions between her and Gambit, like the, all of that, just was made me cringe like yes. so much. But like the plotting that Gambit does otherwise and, like, the twist at the end where, like, there are a couple of moments of, like, real good logic with Wolverine and his metal bones and, like, Wolverine bringing Senator Kelly and Magneto to see Professor X so they can, like, actually see what's going on. Like, that's so satisfying when shows do that where it's like, yeah, yeah this is exactly what you should do in real life right. if you wanted to help. This
0: this is it. Yeah, I agree. Hey, speaking of Gambit, Shannon uh, Tatum, Tatum? How do you say his name? <laughs> Channing Tatum. Yeah. He spoke up about the cancellation of his Gambit movie, which is apparently like weeks away from being produced. Like they had the script done, the casting was done, but then like Disney bought Fox Mm -hmm. and they immediately shit canned it. Mm -hmm. And he was so sad about it. And he talked more about what the movie was going to be. He says it was going to be a romantic comedy in the X Men universe. That was the main gist of it. Huh. With a Deadpool twist of probably like. I don't know if it's like the Deadpool aspect of ultraviolence or the Deadpool aspect of like meta fourth wall breaking hmm. something okay like probably influenced by the style of Deadpool somehow gotcha, and he was really sad that this movie never came to he says it was heartbreaking and he says as a result he cannot watch any more Marvel movies because he was <laughs> he's a jilted marvel lover, oh. although I think he did leave open the door of like I still think I'd like to play this character, huh again i I wonder if
1: he said all that to try, like in a subtle way, to get them to do something with the Throw <laughs> in the
0: multiverse of madness. Yeah, or I, uh, I don't think Channing Tatum was ever right for Gambit. He's too big and beefy looking. Yeah, Gambit needs to be skinny. Yeah, skinny like, like uh weird sucked in jaw, <laughs> handsome man. Hmm. Like Channing Tatum to me is like a he's like a brawler type. Yeah, Channing Tatum's Tatum's like a colossus to me or something. Yeah, you yeah. He was a southern guy. Uh huh. But, uh, I don't know. I'm happy that Gambit movie didn't get made. Didn't? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I then would have. Because he was already messed up in the Wolverine Origins movie. It was like such a weak Gambit they yeah. gave us. Mm-hmm. They they need to, Gambit's one of these sensitive characters that it needs just the right touch. I think Gambit, it, it's a perfect Disney Plus show.
1: I, I don't That's have the idea you do of a it. romantic comedy, though, for Gambit. Because yeah. he does spend so
0: much of his time, like,
1: romancing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a romantic comedy, is that, like, exactly...
1: I don't know. We haven't really own? seen that from, like, Marvel before.
0: But with Gambit, is just the interested. character to do that? I don't but, know. I don't know. He I don't do me. his fighting mischief. I'm not whatever. to say... It could have been good. I'm not to say that it would have been a bad idea. But I'm just saying that, like, Gambit is a really cool character. He has a lot of fans. I think people are still waiting for, like... Gambit's time. Yeah, I <laughs> so, think we are waiting I'm, for Gambit's yeah. time. <laughs> to me, it's like I throw them in the rogue camp. It's like I need to see a good rogue. I need to see a good storm. Uh-huh. Gambit is sort of I think the third pillar in that X Men magic sauce. Mm. You you get the sense that they could probably do Cyclops, Jean, Wolverine, Professor X, Beast correctly. Angel and Iceman are kind of lesser characters that we've discussed. They're not. It's not like too important to like nail them. We've seen versions of them, Mm -hmm. but there's something special about that Gambit, Rogue, and Storm as a representative of like, like not. Characters that haven't been done justice yet. Not done justice and kind of like newer, cooler characters that like you just know in your heart of hearts would be so cool if they just did them exactly right. Mm. So they have to kid gloves with Gambit, I say. Get, take some care with that man you know when they get to him <laughs> we'll be watching closely but it'll never be good enough because our expectations are already too ridiculous like that's we keep falling into this trap right Sonia we do yeah alright well you yeah, everyone knows what we're talking about on that note I have nothing else to say do you have anything else Sonia before we depart yet again happy birthday oh thanks again <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Good night.